0: All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Limless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Ryan. Today, I have Dustin Heiner. Dustin is, man, he is what we all want to be uh, as physicians. We want to have the free time that he has. He is uh, a lifestyle entrepreneur. He's created uh, you know, multiple businesses. He's married with four children. He travels the world with them and he's uh, like like i don't know if you were able to look at the uh, the youtube video of this version of this podcast but he has a shirt that says successfully unemployed and that's that's what i want for all of you guys i want you guys to practice medicine on your terms and i would love for you to create multiple streams of income and do it in a way that doesn't cause stress but creates joy passion and freedom What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness, all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. Dustin, welcome to the show. And how did you become this uh, super successful real estate um, investor uh, when that was not your background?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Vikram, for having me on the show. Yeah. I, I love real estate investing. In fact, that's what I am. I'm a real estate investor. And a number of years ago, I started buying property. So in 2006, I started buying rental properties, residential four units and below. Um, and so just over time kept buying property after property and then realized that I can make this into a passive income creating business. Now that wasn't where I started. In fact, I'll quickly jump to the end and then go right back to the beginning. So when I was 37 years old, I was blessed to be able to quit my job. I had enough money in passive income from all of my properties. And th- by the way, this is like, I don't manage properties. I don't wanna talk to tenants. I don't wanna do any of that stuff. My managers, my contractors, my property managers uh, the the roofers, inspectors, plumbers, like they do all the work, but I hire and build a business first but uh two thousand and six, I was working a regular job, you know, I was a regular i t worker at a local county government, so I got the most stable, secure job ever you could think of. I was in California, that's not going anywhere local county government that's not going anywhere, and i t as well is not going anywhere, so the most stable job I could ever think of, and so I'm also have been entrepreneurial. And a lot of your listeners, like everybody listen. you probably have that idea that, you know, we don't want to always be underneath somebody. We want to be entrepreneurial. We want to have our own, like hopefully become financially independent. And so I was doing that. I had a bunch of business. I had a newspaper out, you know, it's, a lot of people don't know what newspapers are anymore, but I'd ride around on my bicycle with bags of newspapers and throw them at 5am and bang them on garage doors, waking people up. Uh, I had a convenience store. I started from the ground up. I, a pizzeria as well. Uh, skateboard manufacturing business, graphic website design business, all these businesses. But at the same time, I realized every single one of those businesses, I traded an employer for a bunch of employees, like my customers, they were my employees. And so like for doctors, every single person, they they don't come in, you don't make money, how much better would be if you had something that made you money, whether you showed up or not. And so I bought one rental property at the time. This was 2006 when I first started investing. And that first check that I got, it was like $317 in passive income. And that was one month. And I thought, my goodness, that's not bad. I just need more of these. But Bickham, you know how it happens. Life gets in the way. And so my wife and I started having children. I had my businesses, had my full-time desk job, nine to five working desk job. But here's what really shoved me and catapulted me into real estate investing. So my wife and I started having children. By the time my my wife had her fourth child, I went on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and bonds with the baby and all that good stuff. And after that paternity leave, I get back to work. And in that week, I get back to work. I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the top dog, it was 3.30 in the afternoon on a Friday. And I call, I answered the phone, I said, hello? And she said, Dustin, the boss would like to see you. Would you please come to the office? I said, sure, and then I hung up the phone. And I paused for a second. I thought, why in the world are they calling me in the office? Like, this isn't normal. And this is Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. I've seen plenty of movies. I know this isn't can't be a good call. Well, I was also remembering a couple months before I went on paternity leave, there were some rumors or some rumbling going on in the county that there could potentially be layoffs that were running low on funds. It was like 2009, 10-ish, you know, when the whole crash of everything. And so I immediately shook it off. I said, I got so much seniority. Everything's going great here. My bosses love me. I shook it off. So, but then I get up and I walk down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long, uh, Vikram. It's actually very—it's short. But every single step that I took, it felt like the hallway got longer and longer and longer, and it felt like my feet became lead bricks because the weight of potentially not being able to feed my family because of getting laid off was starting to weigh on me. Well, I get down the hallway and I turn the corner and I see my boss's door. His door is closed, and I see a secretary there. Super sweet, nice. Old lady, and she's kind of sheepishly grinning at me, trying to console me with her eyes because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. She says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? So I walk over there and I have a seat and I start thinking about my life, like everything that I built my life up. You know, we're told to go to school, get good grades, and get a career. Well, if this is taken away from me, did I just waste my life doing this? And we just had our fourth child. If I can't feed my family, does that make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a man trying to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because the nerves is just just crushing me. Well, the door to my boss's office opens up. And now walks a lady, a coworker of mine. She has a piece of paper in her hands. She is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you could tell her world's been rocked. She passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come in the office? So I get up and I walk into the office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. And so the reason why I tell the story is I went back to my desk and I realized two things right then and there. Number one, I need to figure out a way to provide for my family. So I was really blessed, praise the Lord, to find another job in the same county, whole other department wasn't having issues. So check, got that. The second thing, sitting right then and there, I need to make sure that the second I realized, I need to make sure that this never ever happens to me again. I didn't make sure that I'm always able to feed my family no matter if I work or if I don't work, whether I'm awake or if I'm sleeping. So right then and there, I knew I needed to become an investor. Just like I knew I wanted to be but an investor, but life got in the way. And right then and there, I realized what I was gonna do now is whenever anybody who asked me a question, what do you do? I would always say, oh, "I'm," you know, I work for the IT department, the local county department. Like everybody might say, oh, "I'm a doctor. I do this that." From that point forward, I realized I need to start telling every single person and change mindset in my mind that now I am an investor. It may so happen that 100 of my money comes from my job. That's not my part-time job. I'm a full-time investor. So fast forward the story, started buying property after property, after property, each one making me a minimum of $250 a month in passive income. Eventually I had 30 plus properties. I realized, why am I still working here? So the last part of the story, I went to my boss, new boss and all. I said, I gave him his two weeks notice. I said, here's your two weeks notice boss, I'm laying you off. You know, we laughed a little bit and he said, what are you gonna do? And I said, I don't have to do anything. I own real estate. It makes money for me with when I'm sleeping and I don't have to work at all. So the last part of the story, I went to, I, I walked a mile and a half because it was downtown. I didn't want to pay for parking, too frugal for that. I've taken this walk a thousand times. The last time I walked to my car for the very last time, I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew I would never, ever need a job again because now I have money that makes, or sorry, I have properties. I have a business that makes money, whether I show up, whether it rains, whether some, but something bad happens or something good happens, I'm always going to be making money. And that's what everybody, I would hope everybody's listening to this is understanding that there is a way to create an automatic business where other people are doing the work and your property is doing the work for you. And you could literally do whatever you want. If you want to continue to work and continue so, to provide let, service
0: for your patients. Let me get in there, Dustin, because this is a great yeah. story. And I, I want to add some value to my listeners and your story is riveting. And, uh, I, I love how that desperation and that um, you know worst day of your life became the best day of your life. And uh, it sure did so so Dustin, uh, number one, where'd you get the money to buy your properties?
1: Oh, yeah. So I was young. So it was 2006 when I first got started. I was taught to not go into debt, but I was not taught to save any money. So I didn't have any money. I just got married and my wife was taught to save. So she had a little bit of money. She had $15,000 to her name. We got married and I said, hey, honey, can I take the money that you saved your whole life? to buy our first property after really helping her understand the business model, how we can make sure that it's running automatically and how we're gonna make money because it's a business. We're not just hoping, we're creating a business that's gonna be making us money every single month. Because of that, now I have that business making money. So I, we bought that first property with that money. So use that
0: you. money. I'm sorry. How much was your first property?
1: I actually it was right at the, um, Right as the crash was happening, so I want to say it was like thirty thousand dollars, and it was in Ohio. Remember, I lived well. I lived in California at the time, and I couldn't buy the homes were selling for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I didn't have the money to buy it, and the rents were so low that we wouldn't make money in passive income. So I flew to Ohio. I don't do this by the way anymore. I don't fly anywhere. In fact, all the thirty plus properties that I own, I've only seen one of them before I bought it. Now I don't. I don't see any of them. I don't even fly to the states where I invested. And so I used that money to buy this relatively inexpensive home. Home, rent it out, and then eventually started playing monopoly, trading up to the next one, a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one, and re- you mean, recycling that money over and over again.
0: When you're saying trading up, are you talking about uh, either refinancing or are you talking about 1031? Both, both, but mostly refinancing.
1: I love holding on to property. So when I have a property, so let's that share makes with the audience.
0: Money, yeah. Let's share with the audience a little bit about uh, what do you mean by recycling your money? I think there's a lot of doctors here who, who want to get into real estate, who want to start buying their first home. But uh, they, the problem is that even even if they're high-income earners, they're going to run out of money. So explain how you solve that problem, maybe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so what I talk about when I talk about recycling the money, I take whatever money that I have to buy the first property, and then I either do a cash-out refinance. So let's say I use – well, your doctors might have a little bit of money saved up, maybe a 401k, but let's say they spend – And I personally really enjoy buying homes that are less expensive, maybe $125,000, maybe $75,000, but have higher rents, because we might not want to live there, but other people will, they love that area. So they will live there. So let's say they use 75,000. In fact, a lot of my students have our high income earners, they'll buy a house for $75,000 cash. Then they buy that cash, they own it, it starts renting, they start making money. And then after the seasoning period for a bank, that's the months of time that it takes for the bank to say, okay, now we will lend to you. It's usually about six months. Then we refinance, refinance the property. We own it outright, remember? We refinance it, pull the cash back out and then buy the next property. In fact, a quick story, I have a student he, is in, he lives in Sacramento, California. He's a pastor, doesn't have any money, but what he did have was equity in his home that he bought. So what we did was we got a home equity line of credit on his house. We took $100,000, bought another house in, I think it was Tennessee. He bought it, it was originally $120,000 since we're investors, we don't pay full price. He, we got it all the way down, negotiated down to seventy-two thousand dollars. This was in twenty twenty-two, so it's it's not like it's, it's just random, you know, at really low markets. No, we can still do this. But he bought it with cash, his home equity line of credit. Then fixed it up. Now it's worth about one hundred fifty thousand, and he's only into it maybe eighty-five total thousand dollars. We then refinanced it, pulled the cash back out, paid off his home equity line of credit. Now house this house with a regular mortgage, then he has a home equity credit dude all over again. Same thing with your 401k. My students, we even invest with our 401k. Our IRAs doing self-directed ways. You can absolutely do this. But this is just one of many ways. Other types of recycling that money over and over again is after time, let's say the value of that rental property goes up. Then we pull out the equity. We do a, a refinance on that property. I've even done bundled loans where I bundled four or five properties together, pulled out all the equity out of those, they're still cash flowing, buying another property, cash, just like I said with the, the naturally of having a home equity a credit, then that now is now paid with cash. Then I refinance that one. So it's all about utilizing other people's money over and over and over again.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you worried about the high interest rates in this environment and refinancing?
1: You know what I love? Well, well, right, refinancing, we don't refinance when we have obviously a good relatively low interest rate, but reason why I'm excited. So I'm not worried about high interest rates at all. Only people that are worried about high interest rates are people like homeowners. They're definitely worried about high interest rates. I am actually very excited for these high interest rates because what happens is it shakes up the entire real estate market. In fact. People ask me the question, but Dustin, if you're helping, because I teach a lot of people how to invest in real estate, they say, if you're teaching other people, aren't you teaching your competition? I said, no, other investors are not my competition. Homeowners are dramatically more of my competition because they are the ones that, fall in love with a property, they'll overpay by 10 or 20%. And they're the ones that drive up the price. With interest rates going up, that means prices will come down. Now, homeowners are notoriously nostalgic. They'll think, man, six months ago, I could have got this much for it, I could have got that much for it. Well, be patient. In fact, I believe 2023, 24 and 25 are going to be better than 2010, 2011. I think it's going to be amazing for us as real estate investors to invest the right way. But the rising interest rates takes a lot of people out of the market which lowers prices. Because here's a big thing, Vikram, and you'll definitely understand this. I don't pay the interest on any of my properties. I don't even pay my mortgage on my properties. I don't pay for taxes. I don't pay for insurance. I don't pay for property manager, uh, rehab or anything like that. My tenants pay for all of that. Now, the money comes into me and back out to all of the pro- you know the bills, but I don't have to get a job to do this. In fact, a lot of people ask me a question, Dustin, how do you afford a property manager? And I say, I don't. My tenants Pay for that because I make sure before I buy the property, I calculate all the expenses and I make sure that I can rent it for a minimum of two hundred fifty dollars or more in passive income, and all those expenses are accounted for. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I lo- I like how you you thought about things. Now let's talk about uh, as we wrap up here, uh, leverage, growth, and scale. So uh, you've taught our listeners maybe how to buy their first property and a couple of sources of where they can get the cash to do it. We've talked about, you know, uh, some of the, the the metrics you use to make sure that it's a true cash flowing property, and so there's no surprises and things like that. We've talked about how you're not worried about higher interest rates. Um, talking about recycling your money and 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 all, your overall framework. Now, tell me about how you go from maybe one property to let's say five or ten properties, or even twenty, like you you have almost close to thirty properties. How do you how are you able to manage all that? Um, uh, while still perhaps still doing a, you, you know, you own a clinic, perhaps uh, a surgical center, maybe you work in a hospital. Tell me about that.
1: Totally. And the, uh, what I want to do, I'm going to give you the, the, the principles of basically this. It, imagine if you never driven before, you know, don't have a driver's license, but I give you the keys to a Ferrari and I say, go ahead, have fun. No, that would be dangerous. That would be very bad for you and the Ferrari as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you how you can make sure you scale it and make it automatic. Because I personally, I don't want to work very much at all. In fact, I love not working. A lot of people have heard of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Good book and all the premises work four hours a week. Well, I don't want to work four hours a week. I don't even want to work four hours a month. I maybe work 30 minutes a month on all my properties because I have other people doing the business. So here's what to to scale, to do it right. It's not finding the property. It's not financing the property. The biggest question everybody needs to put in or the answer to the question, but the question it should be, how do I manage? How do I fulfill everything? So I don't have to manage the property. The answer is building a business first. When you build the business first, that's how you scale the business. And here's what it looks like. Imagine if you had a convenience store, you want to start a brand new convenience store, you would not sign a lease on a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars in there on the ground and hope to run a business. No, you go out of business in two seconds. What you would do though, is you would build the business first. So you get the gondoles, the shelving units, the candy bars go on the countertops, cold storage, bank accounts, cash registers, employees, insurance, everything in the business before you buy any inventory. Same thing with real estate investing. We build the entire business, has everybody in the business working for us, and then we buy that piece of property. Now, that piece of property is our inventory that we put into our business. And that's how we can scale it because- All we gotta do is find another piece of inventory because we have the right people, experts on the ground that are gonna tell us, this is the right property. This is the wrong property. Yes, I will manage this property. No, I won't manage property. In fact, I've had a lot of uh, high net worth uh, income earners that come to me and say, Dustin, I bought this property. I did everything those quote unquote gurus told me to do. And then I went to try to find a property manager and nobody would would manage it because they would tell me I won't manage it because I'll get shot there. Well, you don't have an asset anymore. You have a liability how much better would it be if you built the business and then you call up the property managers instead of saying, hey, I bought this property. Will you manage it? And they say, no. Instead, you say, I'm looking to buy this property. You're on my team. Help me out. Will you manage it? How much will it rent for? What's the vacancy factor? What kind of clientele? And if they say it's a good property, good area, go with it, then move forward. If they say, no, I won't manage it, then you don't buy the property. You don't waste that time and money. From that point forward, All it is, is scaling by finding the next piece of inventory and finding the next money. More than likely, all of your listeners, like you're listening to some right now, you probably have lots and lots of people in your realm of influence, friends and family members that have money that will invest with you. That's why I started telling everybody, I'm an investor so that they know that if they want to invest with me, I will gladly help them with a great opportunity to make them money. But then obviously they're gonna be a, a part, a lender of my business. But that's how we scale. We build the business so that it can continually run every single second of every single day without us and then just put another piece of inventory into the
0: business. I like, I like what you're saying, Dustin. I think it's like, have the end in mind, figure out where you wanna be maybe three years from now and start with that. And it sounds like, you know, you'll need, Real estate agents. You'll need a bank. You'll need an appraiser. You'll need uh, a property management company. Right, and you need all these things. You need contractors. If you have all that, then you sort of get into you create a machine. You're not creating a one-off uh, uh, and a transaction. This is a a machine that is built to buy one, three, five, ten properties a year, and then uh, with the cash flow coming in, and then you have uh, partners. You can you have hard money loans. You can have equity partners. You can have JVs and this is how you develop a, a really successful uh, portfolio of properties. And then the question is, are you a single family? Are you want to do short-term rentals? Do you want to do duplexes, quads? Or are you ready for small multifamily or eventually what we do, which is large multifamily? So uh, I think the concept is the same. And I really like how you really brought it all together. Uh, before you, you you sound so successful, I'm going to have to ask you for something that you weren't so successful about. Give me a, uh, Give me an uh, uh, old oh crap moment that you've had.
1: <laughs> Got it. So I'll give you I'll give you two. One, first one, it was my very, very first time doing this. I was following those quote unquote gurus. So in 2006, I was watching late night TV and late night infomercial came on and they said, this real estate investor, hey, we're coming to your town. We're doing this free seminar. So I went to that seminar, all hype, all sales pitch. And they said, now run to the back. It's normally $30,000, but it's $1,000 today. Paid for that. Anyways, I took what they taught me it felt like I was being taken advantage of, but I followed everything that they told me to and found one property, found a property manager, put them together because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't build the business. put them together and my property manager started stealing from me within six months because I did not hire right. I didn't build the business right. I just said, hey, you got a pulse. You look like, and you say you're a property manager, go ahead and manage my property. No, she started stealing from me. And so what I realized was, they, if I would have hung my head and realized, okay, this doesn't work, then I would not be here today being able to share with you. But I said, it has to work. But I took my business. Remember at the beginning, I said, I've been very entrepreneurial. I took my mindset. I said, what if I approach this as a business mindset? So that's when I started building the business so that I had everything in place. Then now I literally have property managers that work for me. They've been working for me for 10, 15 years that I love. And I don't even want to talk to them. I just want to get that money every single month. So that's one. The second one, Because I was building so fast, I was able to scale very quickly because I had a business. I was buying too many properties at one time, and I didn't do a home inspection on one property. I do every, now, this is the lesson learned, always do a home inspection. And the home inspection would have showed me that the electricity was, that all the electrical was not in compliance with the city, and it had been off for a year. Fast forward, I had to redo the entire electrical for that entire. It was like five grand. It was like, oh my goodness, that just really blew out the whole my numbers. But it was because I didn't do every single step in the business. Now, when I tell people, when you invest in real estate, it's simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple. It's just a step by step process. If you so just follow, follow the steps, protocol.
0: and now you have a protocol exactly. that's foolproof, right? Yeah, that's 100. Awesome. So, how can people learn more about you, Justin? And uh maybe Absolutely actually with you.
1: Yeah, totally. I actually have a free course. I just love to get people a free course so that they can get started. Do you want if I share that with everybody? Absolutely. Awesome. So if you text the word rental, R E N T A L to 33777 Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you everything from the beginning to end, building the business, find the right area of the country to invest anywhere in the country, scale in the business to be able to quit your job. You can even go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, all one word. Also, I have my podcast, the Master Passive Income Podcast. It's literally just me, solo show, just giving out all this information because I have plenty of time and I don't need to work. So I'm like, let me just give this out. The YouTube channel, Master Passive Income. Oh, also, I've been getting a little more on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram and I'll hit me up on DM, uh, the Dustin Heiner. I'm not that arrogant. It's the only one I could come up with, but T-H-E Dustin Heiner. So you find me on Instagram, connect with me. But I just love sharing this as much as possible. One last thing. I have so many students now. That now I created a real estate investor conference called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. It's going to be here in Phoenix in uh, May of 2023. So, May of this year, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And I'm bringing 35 of my friends that do apartments, syndications, land, uh, storage units, like everything of the above. We're coming together and building a community. It's not one of those, hey, run to the back and give us money. It's not that. It's all about community. So, you go to rubecon.com, R E W B C O N.com to get your tickets there. But it'd be great to have as many people. Showing them that they don't have to work every single day; they can get passive income.
0: I love how you're show, uh, giving people the keys to unlock their freedom, my friend. So keep doing your work. Um, uh, much, much love and respect to you, my friend. Thank you so much. And and guys, uh, all you, that Dick stuff will be in the uh, the show notes. Please uh, uh, hit him up. Uh, the guy's been so generous with his time, his education, is his knowledge that he had to work really hard for. And, and guys, if you apply this. Uh, I, I, I've been successful with the because of real estate. I'm sure Dustin's success uh, came from real estate as well. It, it's, it's just a tool for you to really live the life you want. So I really advocate for that. And with that said, guys, until next time, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit vikramraya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.